Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Barger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me, as usual, is my co-host and associate editor, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Disappointed. I'm sorry. What are you disappointed about? Well, I mean, it's my own fault, as I'm sure regular listeners of the show remember my my great glee last time about finally getting to stop recording on my bedroom floor. And the lesson here, children, is don't ever say anything that like that out loud. Yeah, I was going to say, don't count your t- offices before they hatch. Don't don't tempt it because <laughs> don't. What do they say on the West Wing? Like, don't tempt the wrath of the whatever from yes. high atop the thing. Because uh, I am currently coming to you live from my closet floor, <laughs> which is not my bedroom floor, but still a floor. So I'm not sure if it's an upgrade or what my desk broke in the move. So I am now sans desk and there's no furniture in my new office. So our sound editor uh, kind of didn't want me to record in like an open room with nothing in it. So here I am in the closet. And yeah, that's the thing that's happening. I'm sorry. I know. I was really like, I was ready to be a real girl with like a professional setup. But I'm like, huh, I don't know why I packed that shirt. I don't think it fits anymore because it's literally like hanging in front of my face. But whatever. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, um, so what are we talking about today to make you feel better? Uh, speaking of things that I have maybe hung on to and should have gotten rid of, let's delve back into 2012 culture with the... <laughs> <laughs> the I think this was this was a BBC show, I believe. Yes. It has come to America on Peacock. It is based on a memoir, and it is called Everything I Know About Love. Um, this uh, this memoir, I'd actually heard of this memoir. This is sort of this when it came out, it was sort of treated as this sort of millennial like touchstone of of a memoir, kind of the way like Candace. Bushnell's books were for I think probably our generation. I was actually thinking of um, Prozac Nation was the one. I've- oh gosh, I love that is truly hands down like what I'm about to just prove your point because do you know how many times I've read that book? Uh-huh. Like I have so many times. Like that book was so important to me. It All is right. still so important to me. I just am on better SSRIs now, so I don't read it once a year the way I used to. <laughs> No, that honestly, like, that's the book that it made me. That's the when I when I heard about this book, that's what I thought of as I was like, oh, so it's Prozac Nation for the millennial generation. I'm down with that. OK, um, I didn't actually read it at the time. Um, I didn't either, but I might now. Like, I, I'll just upfront be I liked the show a lot. Like, I don't know if it's because I'm at this weird point in my life where I, too, feel weirdly nostalgic about like choices I made and friends that I had that I don't have anymore. But I don't know. I really liked it. Um, I actually read it before I watched the show, and my first response was, uh, I shouldn't have done that, because the show only covers the first half of the book. Oh. I also heard the book was quite different in the fact that the, oh, yes. some of the supporting characters in the show are more prevalent in the show than they are in the book. Like, it's very much, uh, I guess Dolly is Maggie. Um, in the book, a Dolly is the, is the actual writer, and she calls herself Dolly in the book. Uh, she changed her name to Maggie when she adapted this she adapted her own work and she did it kind of during she did it during lockdown three as sort of a a nostalgia exercise because she wasn't able to see any of her friends which i think is actually a really amazing kind of story um but the thing about the book also is that it is very 2012 it is uh, it it is very white it is very self-centered it is very rich girl problems in that it is like sex in the city or girls um 
And the thing about the thing that the show does is it course corrects that because it realize it sees its own blind spots basically now, ten years later. And so she basically went back and she fixed a lot of the things. Um she basically made the the actual the the two other housemates a much larger much larger characters she actually delves into the work life and the mental spaces of um her her black roommate it's 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 a in some ways it's a much better series than the book um because it is more self-aware and it has the 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 space of distance that I'm pretty sure she didn't have when she wrote it 10 years ago. It occurs to me that one of us should summarize this. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I have a feeling most of you probably haven't seen it yet. This show is currently streaming on NBC's Peacock, which here's a fun fact. If you are a Comcast subscriber, you probably get Peacock for free. I do and did not know that for the better part of a year. But um, that's where it lives. So basically, the Dahlia Alderson's memoir is basically set in 2012, the year she turned 24. She has graduated from uni, as has her best friend, um, who in the TV show is called Birdie. And the two of them have moved to Camden along with two more of their friends. Um, and I, I'm not going to lie to you, like, it, it, it's a friend-style apartment in that no apartment in Camden is that large. Technically, technically, they do say it's a, it's a house share, not a flat share. So... So, but still, it's quite it's quite large it's, for it, London. It's quite large for London and quite large for Camden, and not nearly as grimy as it probably should be. Um, and basically, um, so Maggie and Bertie are basically like they're they're that friendship that you that formed at twelve, where you are so codependent with each other that you you kind of don't even see how like toxic your relationship has kind of become, and. Maggie is kind of like this party animal girl. Um, as Bertie says to her at one point, you actually like skinny dipping uh, and and getting drunk and running around. Um, Bertie is much more conservative at one point. Uh, my favorite moment in the early going, she turns to she turns to Maggie and goes, I wish you just put on pants. <laughs> um, it totally killed me. Um, I like the part where uh, one of her housemates uh, eventually a li- much later in the show is going to have an affair with someone who's married and Bertie's like not under my roof <laughs> right it's really great yeah they're, they're, Bertie is very much kind of the conservative one she's the she's the rock of the group um, and Maggie kind of doesn't realize how dependent she is on Bertie until she makes the mistakes of uh, introducing Bertie to Nathan thinking that Bertie will go you know sleep with him one time and it'll be done and instead Bertie decides that she's falling in love with him and by the end of the season she she's moved out um, and moved in with Nathan. And it basically it's about the breakup of that friendship, even though like everything I know about love, Maggie runs around shagging guys left and right. She's in a terrible relationship with, with, with a complete scumbag who is that hot scumbag you slept with when you were 22. Trust me. Um, I mean, it, and like, but the, 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 everything I know about love is really about the love between Maggie and Bertie. And when they break up in the second to last episode, it is a it is like a divorce. And I I think that was one of the things that really spoke to me about the show and about the book too, that the book understands that men come and go, but best friends that that kind of best friend love between women doesn't. Um and I really, really liked that. I do too. I like that that they 
this sort the title of the show sort of makes you think it's going to be just about these sort of 20 somethings in london just making bad relationship choices yeah like sex in the city uh that street guy is hard no (laughs) um i'm pretty sure i slept with a version of that at one point when i was 22 and um yeah no it was a big mistake really hard no yeah i mean if a guy makes you like like listen to his sad mixtapes all the time like keep going um but i mean like it makes you think it's gonna be like a dating show but it's really a show about friendship and Mm -hmm. i liked that it wasn't solely about maggie and birdie's friendship like maggie and birdie's friendship is the central sort of wheel around which the show turns but amara and nell who are the other two girls who live in the house with him who are their friends from university are also they also have their own bonds with each of them and just sort of the relationships between and among all four of them, I think are really interesting and, and good. Yeah. I really like, um, I, as I said, I really like the fact that like, she basically made it much more of a foursome for this. Um, I think Nell's story is very interesting. Nell is the one who goes to sleep with her boss. Um, and, and that basically gets left as a, as a, as a sort of a cliffhanger because of the way that the show only does the first half of the book. Um, it, I, I also I just I loved everything about the fact that this show managed to confront race in a way that felt honest, like mm. without because there were sometimes where like there were shows that confront race and they're like, listen, we're just not even talking to you white people. We're talking you, you, you can be over there and you can watch, but this is not for you. And then there are times when you see like white where it's very much made for white people. And it and it almost over explains because they really need to make sure that every single white person gets their hand held and comes along. And this kind of manages to thread that needle really well, I thought. Um, I also it helps that it's also tied up in dance and that she wants to be a dancer and that there's a level where she feels like she can't because that's not respectable and she has she's had you know respectability politics basically sort of accidentally beaten into her and her mother doesn't even want her mother's like no be a dancer be broke in your 20s do that and and but she doesn't want to disappoint a a nebulous thing that she's not doing the respectable thing and and I, i i just i thought so much about that was so good i know that maggie is like the big the the problematic one of the show. Oh my lord! But I love her like so much because she's just messy in a really relatable way to me. It really helps that Emma Appleton is so likable in the yes. role. Also, she really had me thinking about whether I should get bangs for like a long time. <laughs> like while I was watching no. this, because hurt. I I know I know my mom is constantly after me to get bangs, and I know that I shouldn't. But I was like, her bangs look so good. Her bangs do look and- good. Do not do that. It's bad for you. Um, <laughs> honestly, like I have to say, like Emma Appleton does a really great job. She also was in Pistol recently as a uh, Nancy of the Sid and Nancy couple, and she was absolutely magnetic in that. Um, she's also uh, I don't know if you remember this. She was Renfrey in The Witcher in that first episode of The Witcher. Um, oh wait, the girl he like fights in the first episode. Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh um, my gosh, I love that for her. Yeah, so she's a she's really she's a really great actress, and she's really compelling. And honestly, she is what makes the show work. Because if Maggie were even a smidge more dislikable, the show would collapse. Oh, one hundred percent. Because I think another thing that this show gets so right is that weird 
that weird nebulous feeling that you get like when you're right out of college, like you're suddenly an adult that has to pay bills, but also now you can go drinking out every night if you want to. And like you like you have the power to make all these choices that were maybe off limits to you before because of school or your family or whatever. But now you have to also figure out how to live your life. And it's this really weird, like kind of feral time that that like it's so hard to like describe it. But it's so like that really felt true to me. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, no, my bank account's down to a dollar again. Let me like try to borrow money from people. Um, honestly, like, Birdie also really spoke to me as a character because I remember hitting that point and really desperately needing structure and needing, like, a relationship to give me structure because if I didn't have it, I felt like I would spin out of control and I couldn't allow myself to become a Maggie, basically. It frightened me. And so I made choices very much like Birdie. I mean, let's be honest, that boy is boring as heck. And um, yes, but isn't he like a banker or something? He's a very stable job, right? He is. He is stability. He is. He is rules. He is. uh, You know, Bertie. That that whole conversation that 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 they have uh, that 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 uh, Maggie has at the end about how her best friend likes rules. Um, Bertie likes rules, and Nate and and the boy is really he is rules personified. He is he 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 has a banker job. He talks about what he talks about uh uh ho- holiday lets and like flat shares and 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 real estate. And he just it's, and you know it, part of me, part of me thinks like I I feel like there's no I I have not read the book, so I don't know what happens in the back half of it but i'm just like oh no haven't we all also made that mistake yes. of finally having like a functional relationship with someone and assuming that that means that like you're done you're <laughs> done and that's the one so you move in with them and then you find out like forever later that it doesn't work like that yeah but like like she very much conveyor belts directly to him and assumes that okay she's reached her happily ever after and that she's not gonna get bored with this in five years and that because she's that terrible that terrible fight she has with Maggie, like their breakup fight, yeah. is like Maggie's not wrong. No. I mean, she's cosplaying as an adult. Because in many ways, Birdie does like put on personas of it's like those. uh, What are those lizards that like they ch- chameleons yeah. that like change their color to match whatever they happen to be sitting on? Like Birdie feels very much like that to me in the sense that like, well, now she wants to move in this world. So she's going to start like reflecting back those traits towards Nathan and his friends. Yeah, which make her less compatible with her friends. Yeah, and basically, as I said, she she's cosplaying an adult. Before she was cosplaying as a college student by imitating Maggie and following Maggie around, and now she's done being a college student and following Maggie around is no longer, no longer what she wants to do with herself. And the thing is, is that she has is that their friendship is deeper than that and goes longer than that and they really do know each other but she hasn't realized that she thinks she just needs to go and cosplay the next thing to move to the next stage of her life and she hasn't put that together yet um i uh, i don't know if you I, I don't think you want me to spoil what happens in the book but no. it basically this is sort of the halfway moment of the book where their relationship completely implodes I mean, I'm basically watching this assuming that they're going to work it out in the end because that's just how I believe this story should go. But um, one thing I did want to ask you before we get off of Bertie and Nathan, I was so fascinated by that one scene 
where when she goes home, when Bertie goes home to visit her mom and and Maggie, because Maggie is just such a snot, out that uh, she's dating Nathan, Nathan Smith. And then they have that conversation about how maybe we won't tell grandma that you're like dating a Gentile. <gasps> yeah. Um. So the thing about being Jewish in England is that there it, it's a very it, the thing that I think Americans don't understand is that British culture is very Christian. I mean, Christian is baked into it in a way that it isn't here. The Christmas specials are a thing. The Easter specials are a thing. The Church of England is the church of the land. And so Jews really feel their minority status in a way that you don't in America. Um, And marrying outside the faith is is really much a much bigger deal especially because there's so many more because you feel your minority status so much more you feel more uh there's a tendency to bend more conservative in judaism than say reform reform is like your your liberal judaism that's like i'm a reform person um you you go to synagogue a couple times a year you know you you pay for your high holy tickets um if if you have kids and you think they'll have a lot of fun you get the uh, you you get the 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 you 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 buy your stuff at, at, at sukkah and you and you build your little house in the backyard um here because you because it's so much more of a big deal and you feel the fact that you are othered so much more and i think that's just true in europe in general but because i'm my dad was uh from england i know it as a as a uk thing um that that the the idea that she's dating a gentile is actually a really big deal yeah, her mom actually is like, I'd love to have him over for dinner, but not on yeah. Friday. Yeah, on Friday. Like- yeah, you can't. No, he's <laughs> not coming on the Sabbath. And we're not. And actually, that really also is important because, um, you know, one of the things about, I, I mean, I'm married to Goy. Um, and, you know, my rabbi friend was like, bring him. Bring, bring, no, no, let's let's let let let's let let's let him participate um, because that was embracing him and letting him be part of the culture. And this is a refusal to even let him in. No, he's not allowed. So that's a whole extra. And 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 it it actually does in in a way it really matters that um, Bertie I think doesn't understand at this point how much that religion thing will matter down the line. Also, well, I thought it was very strange that they only that's like the only time it ever came up. I, it's again, this is something that's much more in the book. Like. I know it's like only the halfway, it's only the halfway part of the book, at least. And Lord knows, I think they could probably get like several seasons out of the show if they, if they super wanted to, even if they finish like what's in the book. But I just thought it was, I just thought it was a little weird because it's not like Bernie's super observant. No, she's not. Um, And I mean, that's just sort of um, the millennial generation really has moved away from religion in the UK um, in a way that we, again, don't feel in America because we were more, sec- we were always more secular. Um, and that, that, that losing of God has been a much bigger deal over there in that way. Um, and so, you know, she doesn't think it's important the same way that I didn't think it was important when I was, uh, younger. I, my, my first husband was Catholic and I didn't think that was important. And oh, was that wrong? (laughs) Oh, was that wrong? Apologies? Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't apologize for the faith here. No, no, don't, don't um, apologize for, for for anything of that. But like, 
discovering how discover because he told me that he was a that he didn't believe in God anymore. He was he was no no he was he walked away from the church. Done with that. No, somewhere in 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 his basic programming. Somewhere in the in 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 that in the in the foundations, it was still in there. And when push came to shove, it came out. And oh. that's a thing that I think people who who grow up in a in a less religious atmosphere and come from religious parents don't realize how much that is programmed into them until the day that push comes to shove. I was more. Th- I was also thinking like I was like, wow, did you tell your mom that you're moving in with Nathan? Like, how did that go? Um, <laughs> probably not, actually. Probably keeps it, probably trying to keep it on the down low until absolutely necessary or until an engagement. Oh, Lord. She's probably totally going to get engaged him. Mm. And then it's going to just go disastrously. Um, I have to say, the girl who plays Birdie is, uh, is, is Claire Conway in The Morning Show. And this totally cracked. Oh, thank you. I could not figure out. I could have just looked it up because Lord knows I have Google. But I was like, that's so familiar. <laughs> no, I, it totally cracked me up that, like, that's who that was. And, like, I kept thinking about that, like, a bunch of times when I was watching. Um, I will also note that the um, of the four girls, the one who plays Amara is basically a, a complete newbie. And she did so well. Like, I was like, what else has she been in? And I was very sad to see that this is basically the first thing. And I really need her to be in more things. I thought all I thought the whole main quartet was really great. Oh, I thought yeah. they had really good friend chemistry and they had very good like, um, I don't know what the word for this is. But do you know how when you have a group of friends and like there are different relationships among the groups of friends, but that's because there are the two that will always stay out till the bars close or the ones that will go home early. Mm -hmm. There's like the one who like, if you need help with writing it with writing something like you, everybody has different roles within their friend group. And I thought this was really honest about, about that. Yeah. Um, the uh, the girl who plays Nell, um, she's I don't know if she's actually been like in a series series, but I know I've seen her like do guest star stuff. Like she was in Grantchester, um, what for an episode? She was in the Irregulars for an episode. She's one of those kinds of people who's been who's done a lot of guest spot work on PBS and Netflix shows. But this is the first time I've seen her like as a as a top cast, and I think she's great too. She was really great. Uh, I liked how weird she was. Yeah, probably of the four, she was my least favorite roommate. But I liked just how, how I I would have loved to seen some flashbacks of these people at college because like I just don't know how they must have just been assigned roommates in dorms or something because I don't know how this group of people would have found each other <laughs> otherwise. Yeah, they they really there is there those questions are there, but. Um, again, this is par- partly because Dolly basically changed the two roommates in order to basically make a more diverse and, um, and have be- and have more voices in, in the story. And I, I, as I said, I think that's much wiser than in the book, even if you sort of realize that it, these four probably weren't really friends in college. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I could see them, I don't know, doing like a an off-brand theater production or something together. And that's how they like found each other. But I, I will say that um, a lot of the reviews I saw of this were really kind of. I, 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 I do realize that like TV critics are usually like Gen X or Boomer, but I didn't 
didn't feel the millennialness of this as somehow othering. Mm-mm, mm-mm. And maybe it's because maybe it's because I'm a tail end Gen Xer. Mm-hmm. So like I'm spitting distance from being a millennial. Yeah. And maybe that's why like a lot, even though in 2012, I would have been well out of college. I would have been well out of grad school, but like it's still, it still felt familiar to the experience that I had. What I found interesting to the other reviews that I saw is how few of them were written by women. Yes. And this to me is a show not to be like this show can only be enjoyed by women. Cause I don't think that's true about any show, but I think there's something very specific to this kind of friendship and this kind of story and this kind of like, I don't, I don't know. It's a very, it, this is a story that I think will speak to naturally speak to women a lot more than men. And in a different way than, than, like, I think a woman will have a very different experience watching this than a man will. I, men just don't have the experience of being picked up in the same way. They don't have the experience of guys dominating them in the same way. They don't have the experience of basically having their self-esteem basically squashed by society to the point that like when a boy rejects them it stays with them like there's this moment that maggie comes out with at one point about how and it's something that happened years ago and it's still bothering her that the guy said this about her oh my gosh and it just made me think of every night that sometimes i think about like something that happened to me in eighth grade on the bus that i still remember in like vivid detail Mm Hmm. yeah and I don't know if men have that, but I really that that moment was so real to me that 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 stuff stays with you and it's hard to get over because you are so dependent on uh, because your self-esteem is so fragile. And I think guys just don't have that happen to them in the same way. I it, They're not they're not slut shamed in the same way. They're not. it's just it's not a thing for them and I feel like that this is one of those things where they would look at this and they would go well this is just very extra isn't it and it's like no actually this is pretty accurate also the soundtrack my god Uh, (laughs) the 2010s had some bangers guys seriously and oh at the Olympics can I just bring up like one of the more amazing moments was um for for the show to me was uh, when they're when when uh, Amar goes home and they're watching Usain Bolt. Like I yeah yeah I the 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 2012 Olympics were so optimistic and I think I've really truly forgotten how like there was a level of optimism back then that we've lost. Like, you know, Obama had been in office for what, like, you know, for for four years and one for more. We we, we were the, the, the world was small, but it wasn't it wasn't scary yet. Um, I don't know. It just there's something about this that made me think this is from the before times in a way that's not even like covid before times, but just before times. <laughs> and and I think that also was part of it because that soundtrack really took me back. Um, it really like those kinds of indie hits. I used to listen to that stuff like all the time. And like, um, a love the soundtrack. B love. I one of the things I thought the show does the best is is grounding the series in a very particular time in a very particular moment mm-hmm. in a very particular place, but also not being like over the top about it because there are definitely stretches where I would forget that this was supposed to be 10 years ago. Yes. And then someone would be like, check out this swiping app. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Um, thankfully I have never had to use a swiping app, but my God, they scare me. <laughs> I do. I, my best friend taught me how to use one when we were, we were on a trip together because 
he was messing around with it. And I was like, oh, I've never seen one of these. And I was just like this. I can see how it's addictive because it's just like instant judgment of others, which I quite frankly enjoy. <laughs> but I just can't imagine like that being my main method of meeting people. Um, I'll just get more cats. Uh, speaking of meeting people, um, the New York episode at the end. I, I want to talk about that because that was, especially because that's sort of the note that we end on and we end with her coming home and seeing that Bertie is gone and that she sort of collapses after that, after she's had this genuinely surprisingly romantic time with a guy who is just as kind of boring as Nathan. <laughs> In his own way. Well, the whole part of the whole point of your twenties is to learn that you should probably date guys like Nathan and not guys like Street. It's Maybe true. guys who are not quite as boring as Nathan, because Nathan does seem to lack most parts of a personality. <laughs> but just that, like, just that you realize that that kind of ideal you had of this sort of rebel artist person thing that we all we all have that phase that we go through, and it's just mm, cringe. I th- I think of it as the reality bites thing. You know how old you are if you think that she should end up with Ethan Hawke, or if you know better and tell her to go with John. What's his name? There there are several that I can think of in that in that wheelhouse. Yeah, where 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 don't go with the douchebag. Go with the guy with the job. What's wrong with you? Um, I think also <laughs> I I think also. The New York episode was striking to me because I had basically had this built up to me as, you know, the millennial sex in the city. And I was I was expecting more men and I was expecting more Carrie and I was expecting more Samantha out of this, even though having read the book, I knew that Maggie would be the Samantha ish one. Um, I I I think I was just expecting way more sex, though the sex montage they have was really great. Like, that was one of my favorite moments. Um, And I'm not usually into, like, people having sex on screen. Um, But the montage was just funny and accurate. Um, But I just, I I really loved the New York episode. And I loved, even though I wasn't, when I realized that that's basically where we were ending and that we were ending with her divorce from Birdie, um, I I, I felt a little like, wait, where's my next episode? (laughs) I, did, I actually Googled to make sure that I had all of the screeners. <laughs> I was like, does it really end with seven? Yeah, it really ends with seven. And 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 I like I said, like this, if I if I hadn't read the book, I think I would really have liked that ending. But knowing that this is only halfway, I was like, where's my season two? <laughs> I would watch way more seasons of this just because I like I like the characters i know that a lot of people are probably like these characters are so messy and unlikable and i'm just like think about you when you were 24 i was definitely messy and unlikable (laughs) right i just think it's i think it's really honest about a lot of the not just the problems that you have at that age but just sort of the way you see the world for both good and bad Mm. do you know what i mean like that things are more black and white still. That things are more that that that. But I was gonna say that things are more possible than perhaps they really are. Oh. Do you know, like that you still like you can still get away with it for a couple more years, as Street says at one point. No, that line was devastating. I can't believe that scrungy guy had that much like personal awareness. <laughs> Um, that that was a that 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 was a memorable moment. Like, uh, there is there were a lot of memorable lines in this. Like the uh, the the thing about um, it's my time. It's for girls who have only a little bit of personality. After she gets the job, and Birdie works so hard to try to get a job and gets rejected. Like that 
yeah. Um, but I do think on some, I do think the show is really honest in a lot of ways about what it's like to be that age. But then it goes and gives Birdie like her dream job at twenty four that she just gets randomly. No, 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 not Birdie. Um, Maggie. Oh no, Maggie. Sorry. Um, yeah. Right, and, right. And Maggie doesn't deserve that job. She just sort of stumbles into it. And Birdie has just worked her tail off to try to get her own job and failed completely. Um, and like, I do kind of, um, I do kind of love the fact that we have this sort of fantasy job. And that actually, I believe. I mean, Maggie's job is actually hysterical. She's like the story producer on a, what is it? The reality show is such a great name. It's like Airs and airs and airs and graces airs and graces but, air, but airs with an h yes and uh, i i have to say like it's like a perfect reality show name. <laughs> to be honest like this is actually something that's kind of out of the book is that uh dolly really did this was really her job and she did quit to become a writer basically um and i i i so i thought that that was actually like the fact that they managed to convey that so well on screen because on the book, it's very descriptive, but it's not something that, that I thought would translate all that well to screen. Um, there's a lot of things that they have in the book that I was really startled how well they translated to screen. Like the hen party uh, uh, invitation. Um, <laughs> like, I just, there, there are just things that I was like, well, the book probably, I was like, the TV show probably won't hit. Oh, no, they, they hit that. That's pretty good. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I, I liked this a lot more than I was expecting. I really liked it. And I, I liked it so much that I kind of wish it wasn't on Peacock. No, like, slam to Peacock, who really is trying. I think they have such an interesting catalog of random British things. But, like, I just don't think anybody knows how to watch Peacock. Well, the thing about Peacock, um, and we talked about this with our in our in our in our streaming roundup a couple weeks back, is that it's the one that tried to do this the same way we tra- the way the same way NBC transferred from radio to TV. It thought it could transfer from TV to streaming, and that's sort of proven incorrect. That that, that theory has been proven wrong. Um, Peacock had literally zero new subscribers come aboard in the second quarter of this year. Zero. That is scary. That is that 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 is unsustainable. I mean, not to be snotty about it, but this is literally my job. And I forget that Peacock exists a good 30 percent of the time, probably higher. 30 percent is probably low. The problem with Peacock partly was timing like they really did. The pandemic really did kick them badly um, because they were planning to launch on the back of the Olympics. Oh, the Olympics that didn't even happen. The Olympics that didn't happen. Um, And right now, their big thing that Peacock has over everyone else is that they can stream things live. And so they've made a huge effort to bring in as much sports as possible. The thing that most of my Anglophile friends have Peacock for is for football. They because they carry all the they carry the Euros they carry um they carry all they carry basically uh, I believe both American soccer and European soccer like they, they have, also do carry American soccer I'm pretty sure yeah so they they have a lot of and they're the reason they landed Eurovision is for the same reason because they could stream it live which most streaming services cannot do and it's a it's a benefit and a bonus but also they're not using it to corner the market because they didn't think they had to they thought there would be room for all in the same way that when they went from radio to tv there was room for all to make that transition 
I think they thought that they could do the same with streaming, that people would just watch streaming with ads instead of TV with ads and it would be the same and it's not. I I don't even know that I think it's that it's not. I think you're I think you're mostly correct. But I also think part of it is just simply a lack of awareness. Like if I mean, like if H like if HBO can't even differentiate what HBO Max is, that was just a mess on its own. But like I like people literally do not know that Peacock is, is a thing. True story. We are recording this on a weekend and I went and got my nails done this morning and HGTV and Food Network are the two things that my nail salon shows all the time because they are, you know, something that is a non-controversial. That's, that's on in every nail salon for those of you who don't go to them regularly. And there were giant animated things in the corners for House of the Dragon because Discovery has bought HBO and HBO Max and they are desperate to make that a hit. And I was genuinely shocked at like they were like a third of the screen big, like over the food and over the housing stuff. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> like they, Discovery is trying real hard, guys, to get hbo max in your eyeballs and in your face because they have to and that is something that peacock doesn't have that and i just feel like peacock peacock should have such an easy entry Mm -hmm. like if you are a comcast subscriber which where i live in virginia our city boundaries do not let you have um the other major competitor to comcast which is verizon fios so you either get comcast cable or you don't get cable or you you have to get like like a satellite or something Mm -hmm. every single person in the city where i live has access to peacock right i don't know how many of them i think actually know that yeah it's it it it's the same thing that actually happened to hbo because or hbo max because people who had hbo through their cable could get hbo max or if they'd had hbo now they could simply transfer it to hbo max and they didn't know it and out of the 10 million subscribers to hbo now only four transferred to hbo max they lost six million subscribers over half their subscribers because they didn't let people know a basic thing and peacock has that same problem that they think they can just that if if we build it they will come and that is just not true i mean you've at least got to tell them it's there yeah and i think and to bring it back to the show we're talking about i really want people to watch the show i think it's good i think it's probably the best thing i've seen on peacock yet Although, granted, there's some stuff I haven't watched on Peacock that I know I need to get to. Like, I hear Rutherford Falls is great. But they, they're bringing in really good British stuff. I loved the Capture Season 1. I am seriously looking forward to the Capture Season 2. Um, I loved Trigger Point. It's line of duty without, like, the without the self-righteousness. Um, <laughs> sorry. So, line of duty self-righteousness just really does bother me a lot. Um. And uh, the the new one, the Undeclared War, I haven't finished it, but I watched like the first episode and I was like, yeah, this is totally me. And like and like marked it to come back to when I have time. Like th- this is totally my lane. There There is so much that 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 Peacock is trying to bring over here that could make them a real player for Anglophiles. And uh, it's they are really the most improved. But. If you don't know they're there, you can't know that their content is there. And that's frustrating as heck. Mm, I got to give most improved to Apple. But I do think you are correct in that in that they they do have just an interesting, eclectic bunch of stuff. And a lot of it's really, unlike a lot of places that have a lot of sort of, that have an extensive amount of British content, a lot of it is so, like sort of archival kind of things. Not, not, I mean, it's like, it's like 
library mm-hmm. stuff. This stuff, most of the stuff Peacock gets is real. It's new. It's contemporary. It's very different from a lot of the things that you'll see on other streamers that cater to this audience. But I just don't think anybody can find it, and that is sad to me. Because this, like I said, everything I know about Love, I would really love for there to be a second season because I need to know what happens. Um, I I will say. Um, you know, it's great that BritBox does stuff like gets every single Hercule Poirot ever made in one place. And for some people, that is really what they want. But that's skewing to an older audience. Something like this, something like Trigger Point, something like The Undeclared War and The Capture. These are aimed at a younger audience. And it, 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 this is a younger audience that streamers shouldn't give up on. It, don't don't aim towards the fifty eight year olds. <laughs> um, a- aim towards the twenty somethings because they are there and they do want to watch. And aim to the forty somethings because I wanted to watch this. <laughs> and a lot of the like a lot of the stuff like Trigger Point and um, what is the submarine the Vigil like a oh, lot right, of these Vigil. shows that they're getting are like the bit like they they were the big sort of doing numbers thrillers in the UK in the past year or two. Yeah. And I forgot about Vigil because I watched it back a couple of years ago. But yeah, that's also on Peacock. If you haven't seen it, you should. Um, but yeah, that I I I would really like Peacock to get better at marketing itself. <laughs> Please and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, any final thoughts on the actual show we're supposed to be discussing instead of your favorite topic, the state of the streaming industry. <laughs> Sorry. Um I, I had I really want season two. That's what I have to say. I'm a little sad that we decided to end here, but also I, because their relationship, because it's really about Maggie and Birdie, the fact that we end on their divorce is probably the correct place to end. But I really want season two because um, that was heartbreaking. Just l- having her just sitting there and staring at that bed stripped out was just heartbreaking. I also want season two. Make it happen, whoever is in charge of such things. Who's definitely not listening to this show, but I want it anyway, so I'm saying it. Um, yes, everything I know about love, seven episodes. It's it goes by really quickly. It's on Peacock, which just Google it. You'll figure out how to get it. You can watch um, it for you don't have to subscribe. Yeah, it's also that's another point, like I don't think people know, is that it's if you don't mind ads, it's free. And who my I don't mind ads. I've been watching ads my whole life. That's what television was based on. Anyway. I mean, really, that's I I can't believe I forget to say I forgot to say that before. But yes, you can go watch this for free. Unlike a lot of other things we talk about, which require subscriptions to various services and cable providers. So go give it a look. All right. That is our show. Uh, thank you, as always, everybody, for sitting through another rant about the state of streaming with Miss Annie Bundle, who will now tell you <laughs> where she lives on the Internet. Uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my very fuzzy cats and their very fuzzy butts uh, at Annie Bundle on Instagram. I am a staff writer at Elite Daily. I am the associate editor here at Televisions. I rant about the state of the streaming world at NBC sometimes. Um, And basically, I just freelance around the web. So if you want to know what I wrote today, just go find my Twitter account and follow me there because that's where I retweet all of my bylines. Thanks. Huzzah. I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L-A-C-Y-M-B. And like Annie, I write a lot here at Televisions and around the entertainment web. But I, too, always tweet my bylines. So come check out what I'm mad about or happy about or just in my feelings about today there. I'd be my friend because I like having friends. 
The site and the pod, if that's more in your line of interest, are on social media at Televisions Blog, all one word on Facebook, and Tele underscore Visions on Twitter. You can listen to episodes of this podcast on WETA's YouTube channel at WETA PBS. And if you like what we do, you can visit us at televisions.org for more news, recaps, listicles, state of the streaming manifestos, I don't know. Um, and you can click on the donate button up top to help support us in making all this content and WETA, the local PBS station that helps make all of it possible. Thanks, guys. We love you. Um, it is really hot in the closet. I have to let you guys know that. Um, the ventilation in here leaves something to be desired. Uh, will I have a desk by next week? Probably not. But uh, cross your fingers that I will find one that I like and that fits my space. I don't know. Sometime soon. It would be nice to not sit on the floor. I'm not going to make the mistake of saying I'm going to be off the floor again anytime soon. Because see what I did to myself there. Uh, but as always, thank you for listening. Thanks for being here. Be nice to each other. Be nice to yourselves. Do something kind for someone because you never know. It might make their day. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>